Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey weasels, in this episode I'm hoovering with the amazing mind behind Preppy Kitchen, the utterly charming and seemingly actually perfect John Cannell. Um, He talks about food in the same way that Disney films talk about love, so prepare yourself to have a massive crush on whatever you're planning to eat next and to find yourself frankly drooling from the moment this one starts. Within seconds of our conversation beginning, he blew my little heart just with the way that he described a bit of bread. Crumbs alive. First up, I need to say some thank yous. Thank you for listening. To you, it's to you the main thank you. Um, thank you if you're already subscribed to the podcast. Thank you if you're already telling other people about the Hoovering podcast. And thanks if you've ever left it a five-star review. If you want any of those future thanks, you know the things to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've got so many exciting things to tell you, dear ones. I will whip through them so that we can get into this hoovering, but mainly, guys, the big news is this podcast, the hoovering podcast, is getting a big, sexy glow up. From November onwards, hoovering will have some glossy new production values. It's still going to be entirely independent, but I am levelling up my delegation, and the whole shebang is just going to be a lot more professional. Crucially, it's going to have better 
sound quality. It's going to sound like a grown-up has made it, not like I have made it with the help of badly paid friends. <laughs> um, it's going to sound like a proper... It's going to sound like... Well, I've explained. Um, it's going to be edited more cleverly, i.e. by someone who really knows what they're doing. <clears throat> not me. Not me. I'm getting sexy new pictures. There's going to be new music, new stings, new ways for you to interact with me. All sorts of exciting new business starting from November. Also, thanks so much if you're one of my patrons. I wouldn't be able to make these improvements or indeed to be able to make the podcast at all without you, patrons. I am particularly grateful for those of you sticking by the podcast or able to stick by the podcast, even during such uncertain and sometimes um, frightening times financially. To respond to that, I'm also giving my Patreon a big level up as well. Every tier is going to get more. So, for example, if if you help me out with £2 a month, you're now going to get the guest recipes that you always got, but also the extra totally exclusive for you content um, previously reserved for £5 patrons. If you can still give and or want to join up and give £5 a month, you're going to get all those things you already got and now access to a special annual extra whole birthday episode with director's commentary and edit. I'm the director well over six months before it's put on general release. Um, and without any of that jazzy commentary, that will be just for you. So there's loads of things like that, for example, so so on and so up if you whatever you were getting before if you were able to give 10 pounds a month then you're going to get you know what the people giving more than that were getting and i'm just going to fill everything up basically i want you to get loads more for less and or for what you are already giving um it's all in the making and all of this is going to kick off from November. I realised that you all deserve a fuckload more considering the increased value of what you're helping me out with and the increased value of even a few quid at the moment. Um, so those tiers, as I said, will be updated at the, by the end of October. But if you want to join up now and be in the front running, then go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see the sorts of things I'm on about. The other things I have to say before we get cracking are one, please come and see Hoovering live tomorrow in Ballam, London, southwest London, 1pm at the Bedford pub as part of the cheerful, earful podcast festival. My guest is the glorious, pretty much national treasure famous these days, amazing Rachel Paris, no less. And also, if you haven't already been seeing me on tour with my show Wench, come. Can you sort that out? Come on, come. Some of them are sold out, so get a wriggle on. Uh, Coventry is tonight, that's full, but then I'm heading also in the the month of October to Cambridge, Folkestone, Reading, Leeds, Dorchester, my homecoming show. Please come to that one. It can't just be my mum, my nana and everyone I've ever slept with when I was a teenager. And I'm coming over to Devon, Exeter. I'm coming to Wiltshire, Corsham. I'm coming back up north to Lincoln. I'm going over east to Norwich. And then I've got my big London show, which is really, really, really nearly sold out. Also Norwich, that was sold out. We moved into the bigger room. Come October, come, come, come. There's also a bunch more dates in November. All of that stuff available. Um, tickets and details of where I'm at with that show, Wench, and tickets to the live hoovering uh, tomorrow, all on my website, jessicafosterq.com. Right, let's have this lovely episode, shall we? I've only got one warning for you, and that's to apologise for my grotty voice at time of recording. I was very full of flu, uh, but you'll be delighted and reassured in the current climate to hear that obviously John and I recorded remotely. Um, because John lives in Connecticut. 
prepare to be made very blooming peckish indeed. I need to confess, so I will be honest with the listeners, this is our second time of meeting, but the first time I got the timings wrong because maths is not my friend and you have been so patient to meet with me again. But the issue with that is I... Last time I baked from your amazing new book um, And I didn't bake again But I have such strong memories of that one That I think I can conjure them and describe them Perhaps if anything better with a bit of hindsight I love Um, this Yeah And I yesterday baked This is the braided apple butter marzipan bread from the book Oh, braided apple butter Can you hold it up again? Yes Thank it's you like so much. 30% Not that I didn't of it want to picture of you without the bread, but yes, I'm glad. I mean, that's a testament, isn't it, really, to the quality of the braided bread? Mm. Yum, yum. Um, oh, okay. So I did, I, I, perhaps we begin with, let's just take some joy from eating for a moment. How is that bread? Is it? Did it come out just like you wanted it? And what does it taste like? It did come out as I wanted. It's pillowy soft, perfectly Ooh. sweet, and the bread itself is flavored with cloves. Mm. And then there's a layer of like a marzipan, frangipan mashup oh. along with a fresh cranberry compote, <gasps> apple butter. It's braided over the top with a little drizzle of icing on top. It calls for a cup of tea. It's like, I've got the cup of tea. I've got the cup of tea here in England and you've got the bread. (laughs) This is a match made in heaven already. Yes. Oh, I love it. Um, The frangipan mash is that bit, that moment where you talked about the frangipan and then when you talked about the cranberry compote. Um, Is the cranberry compote as sharp as I'm dreaming of it being? It really is. (gasps) It's It's that sharp note and then there's the, the mellow, lovely almond, and then that warm clove, it's working together. Clove. That sings to me of autumn, leaning into almost Christmas. Ah, and I love that your book is broken into seasons, right? Yes. It's like the taste of the seasons in there. Um, I think of all the recipes as a celebration of the seasons. I'm from Los Angeles, and we moved to the East Coast. And the seasons are so strong. Right. Stronger even than in England, I might say, because okay. winter winter is real. Maybe the north. The north is different. Sure. Oh, winter is real here, but we only flirt with the idea of a summer. Oh, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Summer is very real for us. Yeah. So this year we had a real summer, but in quite a sort of terrifying climate change way. Not in I like saw. a ooh, celebration of the summer, just in the kind of like, turn off your hoses. The only high point <laughs> is seeing like all the remnants of medieval gardens in the yeah. historic houses that are coming from the drought. You can see the difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, Okay, so, I mean, talk to me about Preppy Kitchen, please. Can I have the full origin story? Oh, I'd love to. So, um, I was a middle school math and science teacher. Mm -hmm. I love education. I love teaching. Uh, But my mom, in addition to telling me how amazing education was, she showed me how wonderful food is. She comes from a small village in Mexico. Okay. And she came here and she brought with her a love of using fresh ingredients, of assembling flavors, making things from scratch, and really taking joy in making food and sharing it with your loved ones. So when I was a teacher for over a decade and I love it, I still talk to old parents from kids I taught. I have like 
the kids I taught are now adults and have kids themselves. Um, but my husband told me like, you know, you love teaching. And at the time we were thinking about starting a family and having yeah. kids and like, who's going to be home with the kids. My husband had a job where he like constantly working right? and I had time off, but you know, you can't only raise kids in the summer or yeah. winter holidays. So he said, you know, you love teaching and you love food. Maybe you can pivot and have create a career for yourself where you're working from home and doing both of these things that you love. So he really inspired me to create Preppy Kitchen where I teach people how to make delicious food to share with their family and friends. And it worked out. I love it. And so did it start as a, as a blog? Was it initially or like... Um... It really started on Instagram, to be oh, honest. Really? Like I was sharing it's like recipes that I made and then yeah. people wanted like a detailed write-up of the recipe. So I made a blog to share that. Oh, okay. And then a lot of people are not great at written instructions. Like I'm yeah. someone who cannot hear instructions. If you tell me how to get someplace, I get lost after the first four words. After the first four words, it's a total yeah. soup. I'm like <laughs> flying through space, like lost. Yeah. Some people want to see things be done and they're visual learners. So I started a YouTube channel so that more people could really get a full understanding of how to make a recipe. And I could have the luxury of time to just go on and on and on about why an ingredient's great or how to avoid this problem or how to fix this. And luckily enough, people responded to that and they came to trust the, the channel and the recipes. And I got a following and it's amazing. I love Things it. Happened. I love to hear it. Um, yeah, that's so brilliant. I, 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 it's such, such an interesting thing, isn't it? I think there's, um, it's no coincidence that the kind of Instagram, TikTok, I think obviously the pandemic had an impact on that. But actually, you're right. I haven't really thought about how, how many of us are visual learners and enjoy being shown a demonstration of things. And actually, I also, I, like you, I love having a physical paper recipe book. But I think that's to do with my age and how I was brought <laughs> up. Like, I love, like, I think some people like to sit on a Sunday morning with a, you know, flick through the news or read, mm -hmm. like, some opinion pieces. I want to sit with a recipe book and ogle and, like, fantasize over the things I'm going to make over the next week or two. And, um, and you can't do that with videos, but actually I'm really right. trying to mix it up. I'm like, stop being such an old lady. And, well, every, I don't know. and, and, and I think you can, but all, yeah, you can, a bit of everything, you know, and it's actually so nice to watch, especially when there's like a skill involved, Yeah, you know, separating an egg or everything from separating an egg to like deboning a chicken or whatever there is. Then you actually having that visual is so helpful. It's a game changer. But I will say that a book is an index of time. Yes. And it, tells a story of what has happened and what will. And I am like beyond excited to have like a physical book in people's kitchen. Yeah. But these books are too pristine. Yeah. They're not yeah. wrinkled. They're not splattered. There's no flour. There's no notes in the margins. There's no other recipes you've clipped out and placed there. Yeah. That is a cookbook to me. It has like all the things that have happened. It has a history to it and it brings back memories just from opening it. So yeah. There's something oh. to the physicality of a book that you just can't be beat. They can't, Hard agree. No Strong agree. It's so true, isn't it? The greatest compliment a book could ever get is to be well-summed in a cookery book. You, you, you dial that right up and actually want it to be covered, covered in food. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the recipes and that I 
do again and again and again because they're almost illegibly smeared yeah. with <laughs> yeah perfect joyful um, it's true well you touched on it there in terms of your mom as an influence but Perhaps we could talk about eating for you growing up. I don't know if you had siblings. You talked about your mum coming from a small Mexican village. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she got you involved quite early on with with the making of food and the passing down of those skills and traditions and that love. Um, but yeah, talk to me about eating specifically through childhood, maybe and on into adolescence and stuff. Did it what? has it changed since from then to now, for example? Uh, as a child, there was such like a joy of surprise. Yeah. So, you know, my mom would make these three course meals every night. So we always had like, wow. you know, and in the oven, by the way, every morning in the oven, there was a cake because that's where we kept the cakes. So, <laughs> so like one of my fond memories as a child is like going in the morning, opening the oven and seeing like how much German chocolate cake is still there or whatever else, because any butter-based cake you know, you don't want it to have flies on it or whatever, but you really don't want it to be ice cold because ah. it's going to be hard. So like this clove bread has butter in it. I made sure to warm it in the microwave a little bit for like 20 seconds nice. just to like soften it up a little bit so that it's nice and pleasant. Uh, mm. So like as a child, there was like the wonder of exploration and also of sharing because I loved being in the kitchen with my mom and helping her uh, you know, chop and do whatever else. And like my, my dream, I remember my dream was to do the dishes. I, love, I was like, <laughs> one day I'll get to help you do the dishes. And she's like, you're too young. <laughs> yeah, you're too young. Also, you've chosen a terrible dream. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you know, kids do that? I used to like, maybe this is an overstep or an overshare, but like you do have those strange, like domestic fantasies as a kid where you're like, I can't wait to be allowed to do the washing up. I also would yeah. be like, I ideally one day I'll get to drive a bus for a job and go to prison. <laughs> I really wanted to like try being in prison because it seemed like, you know, anyway. It's a whole, it's yeah. a, it was an experience, an immersive yeah. experience. An immersive experience. Try. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, the kids yeah. love vacuuming, by the way. They're like, ah, can I vacuum please? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. I've got one six-year-old. How old are yours? They're two five-year-old boys. Oh, twins. nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so joyful, but like, it's, uh, are they interested at all in, in the making of food yet? Well, they love it. They're so yeah. like intrigued by what I do because yeah. they understand that like I make food yeah. and that's like what my job is. But like yesterday I went to New York to do a television program and they're like, why are you going to New York? And I'm like, well, I'm going to be on TV <laughs> and they're like, are you going to be making food? I was like, yes, I'll be making food. And then they asked, are people going to be clapping and saying, yay? <laughs> and I was like, I hope so. And then for the whole rest of the ride home, they were pretending to be on TV. And then one person was pretending, the other person was clapping and saying, yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm so, really worried that they're going to end up being comedians. We know, live for clapping might. and saying, yay. That's, that's literally right. like a, a whole end game. I know. That's true. We're not going to go I'm into sorry. that. Yeah, we won't but go into that. They're they love helping in the kitchen. So like yeah. I do a lot of stir together recipes with them because they're still small. I worry about the mixers yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but they can make banana muffins. Like we went to a birthday party a few weeks ago and they made chocolate muffins, chocolate mm. cupcakes. I'm sorry. They had frosting. Yeah. I decorated them because I wanted it to look nice, <laughs> but, but they made the frosting they made the cupcakes. They scooped it in and, Nice. They were so proud to share with their friends that they had made these cupcakes. I'm like, 
they were just beaming. And I loved that oh. moment where they could share something and they really had full ownership of, of the food. I love it. And, and I think if they've had a hand in it, from my experience, they're far more likely to eat it regardless of ingredient. It's so true. Is. You could really coax a child to explore new flavors yeah. because they added the spices to this yeah. and they'll at least try it because they're curious. Like, well, I made this. What does it taste like? You're yeah. forcing it on them. Totally. Mm, yum in my tongue. I made your... I hope I get the name of it right now. I should have written this down, but it's Swedish apple cake, basically, oh. where you have like the domed apple halves in with the almond. That's one of my childhood favorites. Oh, I mean, it, I made it. I am afraid I'm not very good at making things look pretty. I had my son help me, but I can't blame him. I It's 100% <laughs> my fault that I, I basically overdid it. So I made the top went a little too dark. Um but my word, the flavors, and you recommended to have it with vanilla ice cream and have it warm. Oh, so good. And what an easy thing to do with them. Um, I always have a glut of apples all year round. I'm so happy you tried that recipe. It's, mm. it's like this beautifully, delicately poached apples yeah. with this cloud of meringue filled with almonds. Yes. And it's like, it's just so perfectly sweet with the complement yeah. of the ice cream or, you know, a Chantilly cream. Mm-hmm. It's going to be just a delicious light dessert. It is so light. Yeah. And I love it. And I love the, um, the sort of force of the nuttiness uh, with that sharp apple. It's um, sharp, sweet apple. But, and then, it, yeah, something vanilla-y with it. Mm, it's so good. And do you know what? Purely by accident, I stored it in the oven because the fridge was ah. full. But I didn't know that thing about butter. You live and you learn. That's, what, that's the takeaway tip of this episode. Keep your buttery cakes. I know. People out. worry about things going rancid, but like the yeah. sugar, I mean, I'm not... <laughs> not giving advice here, but sugar is a preservative. So you cover something well, it's unless there's like full of dairy, it will most likely keep. Sure. And also, I mean, it's not going to last that long. It's so delicious. Right. It's true. It's, it's like really the next morning. For months, guys, you're going to want to eat that stuff up. It's, it's, real, it's real tasty. Um, oh, I love it. Well, you talked about seasonal and, and your book being a celebration of seasonal eating. Would you say that you eat differently at different times of year? And I don't mean in terms of just produce, I think, in terms perhaps of habit as well. I'm really noticing that for me. Yeah. It's so true. Like, you know, in the summer, that brief glimpse of summer that you get yeah. normally, yeah. you're out and about, you're soaking up the rays, you're yeah. eating outside, you're wanting a lighter food just because you're more active and you don't want to be weighed down really. Yeah. In the fall, I have a lot of cozy vibes. You're nesting even more so in the winter. I might not even want to go outside the whole day. I just look out the windows, but there's something bubbling on the stove. Mm-hmm. The full, that smell of spices or apple is in the air and it's really like a time for just a richer, more decadent, warming meal that'll just kind of lift you through the darkness of the day. So I wanted all of the recipes in the book to reflect what you wanted to feel like in that season. And also like to celebrate like that moment in time. Like one of my favorite um, fruits is a persimmon. I don't know how popular they are there. I have two persimmon 
I'm probably saying I English pronunciation is well, I don't know if I'm saying it right. I have two in a bowl right now. What can oh. I do with them? I run out of ideas to know what I have like um I get my I get a box of fruit and veg delivered every week and uh-huh. I don't know what I'm gonna get. I have Are the option of looking or for you. Um, they're yellowy orange and they're like this size, like the size of my hand, and they have like Do they little, look like a tomato or like a bell, like a little like, like a tomato like a tomato. Okay, those are fuyu persimmons, and those are my favorite because <gasps> okay. you eat them crunchy. The other ones, you have to let them uh, become a goo. Right, right. <laughs> because they have tannins in them, and they like uh, pucker your mouth. But okay. once they're a goo, you could use them um, to bake with. So you can like, mix uh, them into your cakes or whatever, and like an apple would. But these fuyu so ones, we can eat crunchy. You, you can, can just crunchy. have them raw? You can have them raw. I like to... You don't yet. You can peel them. You don't have to. Okay. And they, it's like the crunch of an apple almost, but the taste of custard. <gasps> so they have like a door. very delicate flavor and you can also get chocolate, pers- chocolate persimmons or like, and they have like a more like, there's a more complex flavor, a little darker as well. And wow. I can, I've eaten pounds of them, pounds of them at a time. I'm going to eat a, per, I'm going to eat a persimmon after this, just on its own. I didn't know I could I have, have it naked. Not I have me, little mini fruit. persimmon I, galettes in the cookbook ooh. and also a persimmon salad. Okay. And these are only really available in September, October. Yes. And it's something that I look forward to all year because you really can't get them any other time. And they're like a magical, just a whisper of a flavor. They're not slapping you over the face like okay. an orange. Yeah. It's like, it's just like a whisper of flavor coming yeah. to you. So you really have to listen. Little huff, little huff of flavor. It really is. There's no big slap. Yeah. You don't always need a big slap. Sometimes you need a little huff, it, little all, gentle whisper. Yeah. Everything works together. So yes. it takes all kinds. This is so exciting. I'm so um, happy that you have a persimmon. I am so happy that I have. And I wasn't until I spoke to you. I thought, I've got something I don't know what to do with. Uh, I don't think they're a thing here in the UK, you know. I think that uh, it's something you might see in the supermarket occasionally if you're in a a supermarket with a lot of variety. But um, they're not, yeah, they're not a regular part of our culinary lexicon there's something well, we you spread but, the word yeah i'm gonna spread the word i'm gonna i'm this we're doing it right now this is us uh, spreading I'm, live i'm trying to make a pavlova more popular in the u.s you can work Ooh. on persimmons okay i'll work on persimmons here you work on pavlova there yes. i don't i think you've i think i've got my work cut out um i don't okay. think you have a have you tasted a pavlova? Um, pretty <laughs> extraordinary. Um, but yeah, meringues are, I've managed to get them wrong. Um, even oh, though on paper there. Yeah. I'm really noticing. So we here have just had, we've gone from a, a summer of heat waves um, to a very dramatic cold snap, even in London where I live, which is like, um, they call it a unique urban microclimate because we are so much hotter than everywhere else in the country. Right. Cause we're also crammed in. Um, and our buildings are all so close together, but I'm really selling it. Mm, lovely London. Mm, um, London. But, um, but we've, it's snapped and it's, got, it's gotten cold in a flash. And I, for the first time ever, have had this incredibly sharp realisation of a change in my hunger. And it's not just a desire. It, it, that's there, that kind of like, I want something warmer, more nourishing. You know, I, for the first time in a long time, thought, I, I want pastry. 
Like I quite specifically mm. need some pastry in my life this week. Those yes. kind of thoughts, but also it's just a hunger. I'm just hungrier when it's colder. I'm less maybe when it's, but that changes with tiredness and hormones and all sorts. Well, you want so like a roast too. Like yeah. what's in that oven? Like you want yeah. the anticipation of a mm. hearty, delicious meal. Like those fingerling potatoes, just yeah. cooking in the fat rendered from the chicken or the lamb or whatever. Yes. And you know, mm, that's, that's the colder months for me. Yes, please. Yes, please. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Has there ever been a food or drink or flavor that you didn't like and then something changed and you did? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. yes. Tomatoes for me. Oh, wow. As a okay. child, I hated tomatoes. Yes. Or tomatoes. Tomatoes. And <laughs> here's the deal. I was having sad grocery store tomatoes as a child for the most mm. part. And, and raw, also, I guess, as well. Raw like as well. Yeah. Would you have a delicious summer tomato? Yeah. It's a, it doesn't taste at all the same. It's almost like having an English summer strawberry Oof. as opposed to a sad grocery. I don't know if you have sad grocery store strawberries. We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Imported kind of like grown in a tube. I was in London uh, in the spring and I bought some strawberries and I was like, oh my gosh, these are so good. And my English friend was like, oh, they're disgusting. They're, they're from Spain. They're not even local. <laughs> Like I was like, oh, these are these are very nice strawberries. <laughs> oh no, yeah, no, they're, so, they're, they're I'm not rubbish. talking about those. Yeah. We have ones that like look they're giant, right, in the winter, and they look red on the outside, but you cut them open and they're pure white. Oh, it's just wow. a millimeter of red on the outside, and they don't taste like strawberries should. It's like oh, a tease. Okay. Oh no, just kidding. It's not a strawberry. <laughs> look how big we've so, made them, but they taste nothing. Anyways, yeah, it's like that, but with tomatoes. So yeah. The winter tomatoes are just like, they have no taste. Yeah. We grow tomatoes in our garden now. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. They're like full of flavor. And with like, I was telling someone recently, my favorite 
summer breakfast is a nice slice of fresh sourdough bread, mm. a, a good European style butter, sla- yeah. lashings of it on top, a little sprinkle of sea salt, soft yeah. scrambled eggs, mm. a thin slice of a nice, beautiful tomato yeah. and a little bit of fresh basil. Oh, I, just I like, yeah. Just that. I mean, I think t- tomato and basil is a combination. It's like, it's one of the most beautiful relationships ever witnessed. It's a rom-com. Mm-hmm. It's a, it really it's is something else. <laughs> they had a meet cute in Italy after America was discovered. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's so good. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. My, my favorite bit of your description there. I mean, I love all those things and I love all those things together, but it's, um, is, is that sprinkle of sea salt. I think for me with tomato, it's that it, that lifts mm-hmm. it. And I used to watch, I had Austrian, I had an Austrian grandma and an, uh, and an, I used to watch her and my aunt just cut a tomato in half and they'd use table salt <laughs> uh, yes. and just salt, salt this tomato. And then that's a snack. And actually, I mean, that's a slap. That's the difference. There's no whisper there. That's a yeah. slap. Um, but my word, Oh, it's so good. It's a real, like, it's the equivalent of getting in the sea on a cold day, right? It's like, <gasps> you feel alive. My great grandfather, his lunch, like every day was like a big platter and it was quartered tomatoes with big, healthy slices of cucumber, mm. salt, vinegar, and olive oil. And then oh. that with like usually some dried bread. He loved having mm. dried bread around like this oven baked bread. Ah. Uh, and like you just sop it up and like crunchy and like mm. it's good. It's Glorious. Like, and the flaked salt for me has to be like a Malden's sea salt where it's okay. just like this giant like snowflakes of salt yeah, coming yeah. down. Nice that are big shards. Yeah. It looks like someone's just chipped off a cliff yeah, edge. I don't want the little rocks of sea salt. I want no. like the paper thin flakes. Yeah, like a like um like a snowflake, but yeah. salty. Yeah, almost translucent. <laughs> oh, I'm here. I'm so pleased that it was a um it was it was a tomato in its true delicious original tomato form that turned you. I had um my son's dad, my ex, he hated tomatoes, and I would always try and woo him with increasingly delicious tomatoes, but they had the opposite effect because I'd given these small, sweet, perfect, sometimes homegrown tomatoes, and he'd be like, ow! If anything, that's more tomato-y. That's so, funny. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, it was the kind of acidic, watery nothingness and texture that you hate, you didn't like as a kid, but you then, once you realise the flavour, were like, oh, this is beautiful. Whereas mm-hmm. I think he fundamentally hates the very essence of a tomato. And I rightly yeah. gave up. You mustn't force anyone to eat anything that they hate. This is true. What's the worst looking or smelling, but best tasting food you've ever had? Hmm. The worst looking food. It's so funny because when I started sharing things online, yeah, um, I come from the tradition of a home cook where yeah. you know you make something and like it's delicious, right? But yeah. you're not making a grand presentation. And my husband was like tapping me on the shoulders, like, you know, John, no one can taste your food on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Beautifully put, brutal, but beautifully put. Efficiency there. (laughs) Yeah, really nice. I had gone to art school and I learned to um, kind of apply my artistic sensibility to the things that I made in the kitchen. And that in itself was like a lovely 
a lovely exploration, like saying, I like this palette of colors. I'm going to render it in frosting or even thinking about the composition of, you know, a plate and how you present your food to others. And it was a little brutal. And I did have like a period of adjustment where I was like, ah, fine, <laughs> but mm. it makes the meal that much more special. Like I, yeah. in the book, I have this apple cake and it has a little kiss of time on it. Ooh. And the frosting is a browned butter, maple, vanilla, buttercream. It's topped with crystallized thyme. Wow. I, I saw this on your Instagram recently. Oh, yeah. oh I how just put you, that up. Yeah. How do you crystallize and, a thyme? So it's one of the take, only herbs I've managed to ever keep alive in my garden. Clip a little thyme. Yeah. And do you, you know, simple syrup. So equal mm -hmm. sugar and water parts melted and cooled. Okay. You dip it in, sprinkle the excess off, and then you just spoon some granulated sugar over it. And I will say in the UK, you guys use caster sugar more, which is like a yes. finer. Yeah. If you use a coarser sugar. Granulated, we'd call it. Yeah, granulated sugar. Then it'll, yeah. be, um, it'll be a bit more sparkly and have that winter wonderment out of the stove. And so easy. And you can do that to you know pansies or violas in the summer too. Wow. And it's like a very easy edible way oh. of... Um, making it happen. So like you can do small flourishes like that and they yeah. take something that's delicious and this give you a little bit extra and show your guests, like, I really care about you. This time is special to yes. both of us. Like let's, let's sit around the table and, you know, commune and have a lovely time. You do that. I feel like you do that with a lot of your recipes. I was looking at um, your pumpkin soup um, and here I make, we, I make soup with butternut squash all the time, mm -hmm. but you've leveled it up with this gorgeous, garlic chili oil and I looked at it and I was like have I got time and then I was like yeah I have that's really simple it's so yeah. simple it's just chili and garlic and oil and you yeah you, you it's like it's a few minutes cooking few minutes chopping few minutes cooking done and then you've got this drizzle and this like flavor level up amazing and it is like our time together is so compressed and compartmentalized that yeah. if you could do something small to elevate the experience and to really give a visual signifier that as a host, this is important to me and I care about you. Yeah. It creates like a wonderful space to come together in because food is really Seriously. love. It's kind of a hackneyed oh, thing yeah. to say, but it is, it's like, that's how we nourish each other and share and, uh, and do all sorts of special things. Yeah. It's so true. Mmm. Delicious. I'm going to ask you some like silly quick fire questions. Okay. okay. But the answers don't have to be quick. I love quick fire questions. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, five second rule. Yes or no? No. Okay. <laughs> not oh, as okay. an adult anymore. Oh, not as an adult. Okay, fine, fine. What's the swankiest place you've ever eaten? What's the bougiest, the zhuzhiest place you've ever eaten? I'm going to give you two. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, I think it was my high school graduation present. My mom took me to a restaurant in Los Angeles that was like the classic French cuisine. It was like the French restaurant. It was called La Rangerie. Mm. And it was like a magical experience. I'd never been to like such a place before where we had the amuse-bouche and everything was like so oh. refined and well presented and it was like an eye-opening experience food is art right it was art and it was yeah. like a ritual in a moment and it really opened my eyes eyes of like what what's out there gorgeous and then as an adult 
um, I went to a sushi restaurant in Los Angeles <gasps> called Urasawa. And that was another experience. It was like the 24 course meal where it was like <sighs> everything was presented as art. Like the salad was like in this ice bowl sculpture thing. And oh, I it love was the of this. It, the, like every night, the maple um, countertop was like completely sanded and rewaxed. And it only Whoa. sat like it sits like eight people. I went there once and it was like, it was an experience. And it was also like, oh my gosh, this is like the most decadent thing. Yeah. To do this again. But yeah, it was like, it's like, I'll never forget. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a moment in time. Oh, I love it. That sounds like a real, yeah, a little flagpole in the journey of your life. When you do things like that, especially, I think there's something as well in those moments of extraordinary decadence where you're like, I don't, you know, there's no, the whole point of this is that no one's meant to do this every day. Yeah. You know, that's not. If you went there every day, like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> who are <Yeah>. you? <laughs> but it's the same as the whispers and the slaps. You know, we need those moments, those special things to be like, you know, and then there are, then there are ways of living and there are lifestyles. It's a different, yeah. it's an entirely different thing. So and, um, and it's exactly what that question was asking. You know, I think it's so exciting to have those moments. I, I think some, for someone who has a podcast about eating, like I'm really aware that I don't very often go to places with taster menus or where, you know, uh, and as much as I appreciate those things, and, and I really, you know, I love to eat the food that's been made by chefs who've trained for, you know, under the hardest conditions and have mm-hmm. become these geniuses who can create the most incredible art, you know, and push boundaries, et cetera. It's like, but that's, I can't live like that. And there's, I, I go so rarely for that sort of food. But actually, the fact that I might get to do that once every couple of years is special enough for me yeah um because there's so much joy on the daily from eating if if life is good um hangover if you drink what are you having the Mm. next day to make you feel better i mean i really (laughs) those days were in my 20s to be honest sure sure so that's, the hangover's passed for me. Fine, fine. Did you have a go-to thing in your twenties? In my twenties, oh, um, it was water. Like, let's drink some water. Oh, really? Seriously? Oh, that is the most sensible answer anybody has ever given. Just water. Water. Just drinking water. Yes. Just some water. Just some water. Okay. I mean, I'm going to dip some bacon in your water because that's too sensible an answer. <laughs> I want, uh, I'm going to give you some bacon and some peanut M&Ms Ooh. and then you can have your water. And this sounds like a whole art form I'm not aware of. I love it. If there was no other option, would you eat a person? I don't think I could do it. No. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> I really enjoyed asking you that. Things so have gotten dire I feel like to I'm the point corrupting where I'm you just with my no. questions. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most futuristic thing you've ever eaten? Ooh. Um, I've, I forgot the name of the hotel. It was at the SLS hotel. It was like one of those Jose Andres uh, restaurants. And it was all like, everything was science. So like the oh, bubbles, really? foams, and the, you know, everything yeah. was like this, that. So that. those are interesting. Uh, but it's, it almost takes you away from the experience. I remember a friend of mine and I, we made uh, these cocktails that was the same in the same vein. And it had like little bubbles of a liqueur that were formed in that were suspended inside of something else. So wow. it was like a fun science project. Yeah. And it was like fun to enjoy. 
in that moment because we made it, but I wouldn't want to have that like as my, as like a go-to. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, I think with cocktails, my partner and I, we can be quite faddy with that. Like there'll be, I remember, I think it was in one of the lockdowns, but we discovered we'd never had, we neither of us had ever had one, but we discovered amaretto sours. Hmm. And we both love amaretto, but you whip egg white and there's like, yeah. it, and it's so, and fresh lemon juice and yeah. and a cherry, there has to be a cherry. Um, And it's sewn into the DNA, DNA of our relationship because we, I ended up proposing to her over those because she had pretended she'd done a trick and pretended that she could tie a knot in the stem of the cherry. Um, and I trained and, and, and then it turns out she was doing a trick. She was doing it with her hand and then hiding it and then doing the trick. And it, you know, it's, ma- it's magic, yeah. creepy magic, creepy magician magic. Um, so in order to propose, I taught myself to actually do it. Oh, and I'm then, so impressed. But then actually this, it went kind of gross and wrong because the whole thing involved me having the ring in my mouth in a plastic bag. But I actually, it was only like once <laughs> I was on one knee, realized this, it's not that romantic to get like a spit covered bag out of your mouth <laughs> and then reveal a ring and be like, ah, do you want to love, do you want to, do you want to love this sloppy old trollop forever? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's how I propose. But it means that that cocktail's kind of sewn into the story of our relationship. Yeah. But then I'm going to say like, we, we probably ever did it. Like, and actually there's a lot of like whipping egg whites. And I don't know, it felt like quite a lockdown venture to go for such a- I had a, a whole thing with the gin fizz where right. I was like really into them for a while. Yeah. And then what, I think you have one too many and you're just like, mm. yeah, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. No, I'm no, I have another on. one in a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Say scrumdiddly umptious. No. And then you can be in my podcast. Someone trying to remember a password accidentally unlocks an ancient curse, which makes it start raining apocalyptic mixture of scrap paper, but also axes. So it's carnage. Everyone is suffering from everything from death right through to paper cuts. Luckily, the curse has agreed to never having existed at all, but only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, John, Go on a motorbike, but inside a giant metal orb. So you're stuck going round and round in a loop for 21 hours, all while via a noise cancelling headset, working full time as a customer service call centre respondent for a bank who's just announced it's giving away a free car to everyone who can count to 10. So your mouth is too busy to receive any of the snacks that onlookers are trying to throw you as you keep going round and round on the motorbike. Now, it sounds impossible, but you do it. You're a hero. You turn out to be the man who has saved us all from the terrible paper cut and axe apocalypse. And your award is the adulation of all people for all time. We love you. You're a god in our eyes. But your award in the moment is the feast of your dreams. Bearing in mind, you've not been able to eat anything and you've been physically exerting yourself for 21 hours. So you're so hungry. Now, this is a fantasy situation. It's the opposite of a last meal because you couldn't be happier and you couldn't be hungrier. You're allowed time to like settle down, have a shower, but you want this meal. Like things are good. Um, I don't care about the consequences of anything you eat. This is a fantasy situation. Nothing even needs to be possible. And I also have to say, I know this is only your answer now. And if I asked you in a couple of hours or whatever, it might be different. In a different season, it would likely be different. But right now, if you were the happiest and hungriest you've ever been, ever, what would you eat? What would you drink? And if there is a who, with, and where, you can have a who, with, and where. 
I have a preface to this saying that I'm motion sick from hearing this scenario. Okay, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. In the moment, my answer would be a glass of fresh lemongrass tea with honey that my mom would make me when I feel okay. sick. Just to kind of calm you down. Just a bit of calm yeah, you down. fine lemongrass tea. After mint. that. Once you've uh, settled. Okay. Here's what I would be having. It's a nostalgic meal for me. So it is uh, a spicy tomato orzo mm. filled with garlic and sweated out onions and lemon, lots of lemon. This is a lemon centric meal. Uh, And then uh, a roast chicken Mm. that's dripping with lemon, perfectly salted, crispy skin. There are a few of those potatoes that have been roasted in that rendered fat and picked up all the lemon juice and oil from the slices of lemons that were in there. A lot of, a lot of fresh thyme and oregano as well. A simple salad and for dessert, because I was a hero, I would have um, a bouche de Noël that my mother made, which is one of my bouche de Noël. It is, I think you call them Yule logs there. It's like the roll, the chocolate roll. So she makes like almost flourless chocolate cake. And then it's filled with a coffee infused whipped cream topped with a chocolate ganache and strawberries. Uh, So that and... I might have a slice of German chocolate cake as well. Yes, from her oven. Yes, from the oven. But it's oh, freshly made because I'm a hero in the scenario. You're the hero. You can have all of this is <laughs> she exactly all how you want it. It's really a oh. meal from my childhood. I might have uh, like a nice a nice salad in there too with some crunchy, oh. crunchy moments. Mm. And would you have a, anything you'd love to drink with this or is that less consequential? Ooh, I'd have a nice glass of uh, a white... Yeah. A white with lots of minerality in it. Mm. Do you have a Merceau. favorite? A Merceau? A Merceau is a beautiful mm. wine. So if oh. you can find a good one, that, that might be it in the moment. Crisp minerals. Oh, crisp yeah. minerals. That's I love it. I um, I prefer red wine to white wine, especially. And I'm really sensing that as the seasons change here, that I'm being yeah. called to the idea of red wine. I'm a seasonal drinker too, so I've actually yes. just switched to red. But. Yes. But my um, we have a chain of supermarkets here called Aldi, which is like one of oh. our my most accessible financially supermarkets. We have them too. Oh, and they have, it's hit and miss with wine, but they yeah. at the moment uh, have... For five pounds fifty, uh, an an incredible Alvarino. I don't know if I'm saying that right, Ooh. but it's one of my favourite white wines. It's Spanish, and it's really earthy, salty, citrusy, but it's not too much. I'm making it sound like it's it's so tasty. Mm. Anyway, there we go. Um, I love that. I, thank you for your beautiful answer, and sorry for putting like a top tip for great wine for under <laughs> six pounds on the end of it. I always appreciate a reasonably priced wine tip. Oh, yeah. And also with those supermarkets, they'll get like a great wine and everyone will be like, mm, have you heard? They've got this da-da-da and then it's gone. So yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, oh, thank you so much for doing my silly podcast. Um, I, I think your book is amazing. I implore everybody to get the book. I will shout I about that in the beginning oh, and the end of the show. Yes. I just want to tell everyone there that yeah. because I'm a reasonable person, the book is also in metric. So Ooh. don't think... 
that I'm someone who's just giving you cups and things. Thank you have you. grams. Everything oh, is there for you. Thank you because I'm a reasonable person. I really <laughs> like that as a caveat for why you've included the grams. So thank you. Yes. Um, yes, most of us have. Most of us have cups. Most of us who bake <laughs> have cups. I would say in the UK, but we're not yet the old the old pounds and ounces. We are beyond. Yes, so I'm okay. so grateful for that. I speak on behalf of us all. We have a nice nostalgia for the imperial system, but yeah. metric is so accurate and you will yeah. always get a delicious baked good from that. I know. And if we need anything for bakery, it's actually, it's accuracy, actually. Ac- and love, true. accuracy and love. You can <laughs> combine those things. That's fine. <laughs> that should be my um, motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful episode. Make sure you're following John. He's at Preppy Kitchen, P-R-E-P-P-Y kitchen one word on instagram and the book is of the same title preppy kitchen links to where you can buy it and links to everything interesting um that we spoke about in the podcast are as ever in the podcast notes i was lucky enough to get a sneak peek copy of the book and i mean it's just full of the most satisfyingly delicious recipes his thing is turning simple stuff into special stuff and there's a hundred percent chance of me crystallizing the absolute shit out of some time ready for a future huge hoovering guest that's for sure follow the podcast on social media at the hoovering pod i'm on social media everywhere as at jessica foster q come and see hoovering live 1 p.m on saturday the 8th of october that's tomorrow if you're listening to this as soon as it's come out at the london cheerful earful podcast festival in sunny ballam my guest is the always glorious brilliant and funny rachel paris come and see me do stand up on tour please my show wench is coming all over the uk from now right up until the end of November links to tickets to all of those things links to everything interesting that John and I mentioned including where to follow him where to get his book are as ever in the podcast notes wherever you got this podcast from anything longer than a tweet you want to send me or links to where to buy tickets to anything go to my website jessicafosterq.com huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway until in two weeks happy Hoovering 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.